to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hello, Eleni. Hello, Jody. Welcome back to the banter phase of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. It's been a long time since you've been here. I'm so happy to be back for the banter section. I feel like I'm more behind the scenes with the podcast now, and I love getting to have these conversations. Well, for anyone who's new to our listening to our show, Alini has been our executive producer from the very, very beginning from when we Googled six years ago how to make a podcast. He's been integral in making sure we up-level the content, up-level the way we communicate about our guests, and also our partnerships. We have incredible partnerships for the podcast. We do. Yeah, we have some great partnerships, one happening right now, actually, for a event on beauty tech and innovation. So if you are an event or a person who wants to get your message out to our listeners, feel free to reach out to us after the show. Well, this is going to be a really great episode for people. And it was super fun for me to make. And I want to start with the fact that I met this guest, Mary, over LinkedIn. So oh, I love that. LinkedIn works, folks. Yes. The power of LinkedIn. You always say LinkedIn are where our people are, and this is the proof. Right. So I just messaged someone I didn't know, you have know, a CEO of a brand that I admired, and said, Hi, can I get to know you? And she said, Yes. And through that, I also got to meet her team and share the wisdom of our book, Facing the Section of Success, with her team and her mentor circle. And then have her as a guest on the podcast, but also as a client at Base Beauty, which is even more exciting for me. It's so amazing because the whole mission of this podcast was really to build the network and humanize the industry. And this is like seeing the the dots connecting at work. And we worked with a career coach at Base Beauty a couple of weeks ago who talked about how we are in the age of digital right now. And we have access to so many people who you might think you don't have access to. And you just talking with Mary on LinkedIn is is so cool to me. I love it. Let's talk a little bit about this theme. We call it C-suite for quarter one this year. When you think of CEOs and CMOs, Alini, early in your career, what came to mind? It's like the top dog. It's like the big boss. It feels like a huge, big job and just feels like this powerful person at the top of the ladder that you probably don't even see all day long is what I would picture. (laughs) That's totally what I thought too in my career early on. I just thought, you know, CEOs are untouchable. I thought they don't go to the food store. They don't do their (laughs) own shopping. They don't fold their own towels. And, you know, fast forward so many years after 16 years of owning Beast Beauty and six years of this podcast, I can say that we're all just human beings. Yeah, I totally agree. And this show really tells us that message over and over. Everybody has the same things going on. It's like in the magazines, we used to read like stars. They're just like us. Like this is the same thing. Everybody's out there doing the same thing. Right. And everybody has to hustle. Everybody has to work hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And it hasn't come easy for anyone, right? Like Mm -hmm. so if someone who's running a brand that you admire, reach out to them on LinkedIn and tell them that. You don't have to have any ulterior motives about, you know, sharing that optimism. And I bet that person would be really grateful to get that message. I love that. Yeah, that's so nice to spread the word, give somebody a little happy smile during their day. So is there anything you want to know about Mary before we start this episode? Well, first of all, I guess we should say that the Milani team is a client of our agency, Base Beauty. So it's really exciting to hear the the story behind Mary on the show. I think our team's really excited to listen to it as well. You were all just there in LA, right? Meeting the team? Yes. So, um, you know, COVID kind of um, spoiled the idea of being in person with clients for extended periods of time. Mm -hmm. And we really, really fight hard as an agency to get that time with the client to work together in the same room, socialize together 
get to know each other on a human level beyond the work. And it just shows the, the power of those connections when you can spend two, three days together as a team. Went to LA, went to Millennium headquarters, spent you know really good quality time learning about the brand, understanding their goals. I just love it. It's my favorite part of the job is getting to be together, you know, with other smart people. It's so important to have that FaceTime and to be in the same room, especially when you travel and get to go to a beautiful, cool, fun place like LA. It's just really fun to all have the the minds in the room. And I think it's fun too. Like even when we're on the other end of it and people are visiting us, you love to get to take people out to dinner and like have that time together and just really connect as people outside of the work. So it's it's so cool that we got to do that. My favorite part is um, being able to take clients to Broadway shows. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Yes. So much fun. There's a lot of good things coming up this spring. We'll have to see who wants to come with us. <laughs> so you think we should get to it? Yeah, let's get to it. But I have one burning question. I heard at the end of this episode, you and Mary talking about dogs. Can we have a little preview of what's happening in that world? Well, Mary has dogs and she loves her dogs. And um, it's a topic of conversation in our household. So I think more will be revealed. Oh, very exciting. Okay, I'm staying tuned. So let's get to it. This is uh, Mary Von Prague, CEO of Milani. Welcome back to Where Brains Meet Beauty. I'm so excited to welcome our third guest of our C-suite theme. She's someone I've gotten to spend a lot of time with recently and is the CEO of the very popular brand Milani Cosmetics. She's the one and only Mary Von Prague. Mary has spent most of her career in the beauty industry at Paracone MD, OPI, Neutrogena, and Revlon. And she and I met on LinkedIn. And she's also very active in women in retail, which is an organization I joined because I was inspired by Mary. Please welcome Mary to the show. Thanks, Jody. And I love the fact that we met at LinkedIn because it just shows the power of networking. I feel like LinkedIn just keeps surprising me because during COVID, when we couldn't have like work events and stuff, I was really missing the connections because that's really Mm -hmm. the best part of our industry, right? Mm -hmm. Is getting to just meet and talk to smart, fun people. And uh, I just started um, LinkedIn people to say like, hey, would you like to talk? And I was surprised like 99% of people totally were, were willing to do it. Uh, There's only one person who was like really nervous and she's like, what are your intentions? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she took the call anyway. Um, And it's just, you know, it just reminds me if you want to meet someone, you want to ask questions, you have to do it. No one's going to do it for you. I love that. I always, I give that mentoring advice is just seek out someone you admire or a skill set that you have and ask them for coffee. What are they going to say? What's the worst that could happen? They say no. Mm-hmm. Or they just don't respond because right. their inbox is flooded, mm-hmm. which happens to all of us. Okay. So at the beginning of our show, I always ask my favorite question because we're a career journey show and I want to journey all the way back in time. Um, so maybe like think back to when you're 11, 12 years old. What do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, wow. What a question. I'm, I'm probably going to leapfrog to high school because that's when I first formed my opinion of this. My dad was a career Hewlett Packard guy studied engineering and was in sales and my mom sold real estate. So I always had this like love of sales and the commercial aspects. And I may have mentioned to this to you, but I was, I sold Avon, even when you really weren't supposed to, I was in high school. I had my mom sign her up. Like she signed herself up and I was like a bootleg Avon lady. 
And I had this passion. I just loved, loved it because I loved the product, the catalog, the samples. I loved like ringing up how much could I sell in that month. And so I just, I just loved it. And so I think, well, I, I've studied business in school, but I had this love of marketing and I entered my career in consumer products and largely beauty, but it all started stemmed back from the influences of my parents. And importantly, that little, I call it selling Avon on the locker block. Okay. So you're at your locker in between classes (laughs) and you're, you're selling lip gloss. Basically I was passing out catalogs and I actually was pretty industrious. I actually recruited a couple people in my locker block to sell for me. So I, I'm the one that placed the orders, stapled the little white bags together, put the little sample in and, and just had a lot of fun with it. But I realized I was rather, um, I guess entrepreneurial at that time. Do you feel like sales comes naturally to you? Well, I started my career in sales. I, I always say I was uh, dumped into the state of Louisville, Kentucky. I think I was the only female in most lobbies and in meeting rooms. Not that I didn't ask a lot of questions, but I think sales just kind of teaches you to get out there and influence and find the win-win in any situation. And I always loved sales. I loved the you know, developing the partnerships, coming up with the commercial aspects, the presentation, the, you know, when you get a no, how do you handle an objection? And I just always had a passion for it and a love for it and ended up being a big part of my career, at least the two thirds of the journey so far, my, my roots started in sales. As someone who is not, I'm not a natural born salesperson. um, I found the um, navigating objections always to be very uh, intense and emotionally exhausting. So I'm curious if you got really good advice early on around how to navigate when people say no. Oh, I always say, hey, the no really starts the sale and not to be, but you have to understand, I think listening first and foremost and really understanding where the individual is coming from and why they're not you know, leaning into your idea or the opportunity and then finding that balanced ground where it's really a win-win and a collective solution. And most of my endeavors were around the consumer and thinking about how do we serve our consumer better and big box partnerships with the likes of Walmart and Target and Ulta and finding a way to serve that consumer. So how do we both get on the same page to do that? And Usually it was through a product or a service. And sometimes the no, though, is the thrill of it, right? That's when you really start to think about how do you come back with the right facts and figures? How do you come out with the right compelling evidence to get the person to be on, you know, the same path as you? So what's the right next step after you hear the no? What, what happens next for you? Well, I think back to reframing what you heard the person say, right? So if there was an, a, a pure all-out objection saying, well, this is what I heard you say. Is this the issue? And usually there's three or four ways that you can solve that issue, right? And they usually don't know that you have maybe a few opportunities. What do you do if you don't get the no, right? Sometimes there's like ghosting in sales, right? Like not getting actually any response. What do you do then? I think you have to come back afterwards and kind of recollect. I think one of the most interesting thing was watching some of my team during COVID. Like, how do you not get a buyer excited when you can see them in person and try the product? Like talking about from screen to screen, half the time people don't have samples. I'm like, how do we make this more exciting? How do we bring the brand to life? And so sometimes it's a multitude of senses. A lot of time it's 
like we had, we taped live influencers that gave feedback. We do consumer shop alongs and we get research. We got some recent research and videos. Sometimes it's as easy as just taking the, the um, buyer to a store so they can see what you're seeing through the consumer's eyes. They're very busy just like you and I are, right? They have hundreds of emails a day. But yet sometimes when you can get them close to the customer and the customer really speaks, it has it has a resounding impact. So I think during COVID it was rough because it felt like there was such a distance uh, between the interaction and the listening and then coming back with a more, you know, I, I think a better solution. So we tried to, we tried to do some of that. I love that advice. Okay. So I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, you told me that your mom encouraged you to always dream when you were younger. It sounds like she didn't, she encouraged you to not let anything stand in your way. How does this confidence boosting early in your life help you navigate, you know, CEO life today? Well, back to my mom, I think uh, sometimes she had uh, blind confidence <laughs> and I'm not suggesting that one not have that, but it was a little bit different than my dad, who was my dad, you know, paid for my college education while I worked. I was never given anything, but he said, you can go to any state school and I want you to get good grades and, and make it worth it. And I was always very conscientious of that. But on the other side, my mom was such a great influence because she I remember her, she dropped me off in front of this jewelry store and said, you can get that job. You can do anything you want to do. It wasn't about like getting good grades and thinking through all the practicality. It was a little bit of this blind confidence. I call her the internal optimist. So she always taught me young at heart and young at age that to have confidence in yourself and that you can achieve anything you want. Now, whether that was true or not, um, I, you know, we'll like, still be told, but I always felt like this, this inner confidence that just came from working hard and having an ambition and actually supported myself um, through a lot of network people that just gave me true advice. I was very fortunate to have um, coaches, mentors, and even sponsors that really gave me the advice I needed to hear. I didn't always like to hear it. Um, sometimes it's hard when you peel away the onion and you kind of have to go raw. I think um, one of the best pieces of advice that I got from a mentor of mine was find your leadership voice and make sure it's authentic to you and your style because that will make the difference. And so I really took that to heart. And I often give that advice to people as they're kind of navigating their career is find that voice and that authentic leadership that you have, because that will make the difference. So what is that authentic leadership voice that you have? How would you define that? Yeah, mine is about, it's interesting because I'm one of those people that like to come into situations that require change and transformation. And mine's going from good to great and getting that out of people. I love to lead teams. Nothing makes me happier than to lead teams and lead people and leave a legacy on a business, but more importantly, the people, and have them see in themselves things that they wouldn't have normally thought they were able to accomplish. And I feel like I have a fantastic team, and I'm just the coordinator of that, right? I'm the coordinator of these experts. I love to bring disparate points of view together to get the betterment out of all, and um, I use the, the theme you know, you win as one and it's all about not, there are no heroes on the field. <laughs> uh, the champions are made <laughs> through teamwork. And quite honestly, when the game's really hard. 
So mine's about this authenticity around going from good to great and finding out how one can do better. I, I love this idea of change and transformation. It makes me think of the things that are really hard for me, which is um, the limbo, like the knowing like where we are now and knowing where we're, we can get to, but the waiting <laughs> in between, mm. right? Like things take time, right? Evolution takes time. Skill building takes time. And I have to like force myself to be like patient with my impatience. Um, you know, once I have that vision, that that stretch is very, very taxing for me. Like it just, you know, eats away mm-hmm. at my brain. I'm wondering mm-hmm. if you have any tips for me. I would say measure your success along the way. You know, like don't don't wait to that big milestone when you're done because then you'll lose energy and understand the race you're racing. Like I was very driven when I was younger. I would say. Don't think about the destination so much. Enjoy your journey and create those milestones along where it can keep you rejuvenated, right? You want to have this sense of buoyancy along your journey, create joy, or otherwise, you know, you and I would hate our jobs, right? So I think you have to create those milestones along the way. Let's switch gears and talk about um, in your career journey, you've had, I think, 17 different moves. Is that right? Yeah, I usually like don't like to <laughs> disclose that. <laughs> Nor if any of my mentees are on the phone, I would never recommend that to anyone. That's a lot of moves. And quite honestly, you don't have to do that today. Right, because we can work differently now, right? Okay, yes. so you've had a lot yes. of professional moves. But I would imagine like a lot of wisdom was gained along the way, right? You have a suitcase mm-hmm. full of wisdom mm-hmm. now or multiple suitcases. Mm-hmm. What would you recommend to somebody who is actually being asked to move around a lot professionally? you know, doesn't really have an appetite for it. You, I don't think you have to today as much, right? Uh, now, I won't take anything away from my career path or journey because I wouldn't have the knowledge, skills, experiences, or quite honestly, this fantastic network of people that I call very strong roots. But I think be really great at your job and try to find a city or cities you really want to live and spend your life in and create your life there. I I look back and I think, oh, this is my third time actually living in L.A. Now, fortunately, I really loved it the first two times. So it brought me back. I don't think you need to do that or don't go into sales because early on, my career journey was around being close to customer. And whether I was a district manager, a region manager, a VP of sales, I did a combination of headquarter roles and being close to customer. So I I lived in Bentonville, Arkansas. Arkansas. I lived in Chicago near Walgreens. I did all those moves to be close to customer and then work in the headquarter office of the companies that I work for. But I don't think you need to do that anymore. I really don't. And I think COVID changed a lot. I think there's this flexible workplace and people can travel. And I believe in, um, I believe in that very much. And I try to allow that for my team and, uh, and I think it's working very well. So Early in my career, I worked for a brand that had their own retail stores. So um, I had, you know, a lot of friends who were district managers and, you know, territory managers. And, you know, they were like, you know, signing a lease and then all of a sudden breaking the lease to move to a different part of the country and then do it again and do it again. And um, it's it was very challenging for them to, you know, they really just had to pick up and go with their dog, right? It was the, like it was traveling, mm-hmm. it was living light, I guess, in a way. Um, mm-hmm. it's really nice mm-hmm. that now people in those roles can, you know, be rooted somewhere and then yes, get on a plane, get in the car, 
go do their job, mm-hmm. but not have to literally like pick up the the bureau mm-hmm. every few months. Well, I think I think the, the the good thing that came from is I don't have a fear of change, and I and I kind of take change head on, and even when it's like super unknown. <laughs> What's the most unknown that you were faced with? In terms of moving? Like, well, I I moved to Canada, so I did a, I call that a very, even though people say, hey, it's like a continuous part of the United States. It's not. There's a separate language there, separate laws, very different culture. I moved to Canada. I remember when they first said, would you like to do Montreal? Because we prefer that you be in Montreal. So I said, well, I need to go there for a weekend. Well, it had kind of three strikes. One is... Everybody spoke French and wouldn't speak English to me. I thought, oh, that's not going to work so well because I can't actually help people in that way. Um, And the second one, it was a Friday night and we went, my husband and I went out and nobody was out. We found out later it was because there was a hockey game. (laughs) And there was some, oh, oh, and it snowed and it was April. So I came back and I said, I'd love to do this Canada GM assignment because I know it's really important to my career, but I'd love to do it in Toronto. How's that sound? And, and. Because we had two offices, one in Montreal and one in, in Toronto, I was able to to get to Montreal every two weeks and spend time with that team, but I was home-based out of Toronto. And it was funny because when I was going to get a language um, tutor, they said, Mary, don't botch up our language. Like, we'll, we speak English. You help us. We'll help you. And so I actually love Canada, and I still have some of my... Uh, very, very close friends that I worked with that are still some of my dearest friends and advocates today. But that was a great example of coming into a culture where I really knew nothing about it. And I really immersed myself in the culture, the industry there, with the customers and industry associations. And I fell in love with it. I hope to maybe vacation there a couple couple weeks out of every summer. So let's talk about some trends happening um, that challenge our leadership, the one of quite quitting or whatever we're calling it Mm. these days. Mm. It's really fascinating for me to think about this because I'm just one of those people that I don't want to settle. You know, I want to always grow and move and um, be learning and evolving. So it's perplexing to me. Mm -hmm. But then I also know, you know, not everybody has as much agency or they don't feel like they have as much agency in their decision making as maybe they'd like to. So uh, I'm curious, you know, if you have a point of view on um, what leaders can do if they feel like they have um, this sort of phenomenon happening in their organization. Well, I think first it, you have to start with the culture. And if the culture needs transformation, you want engagement into the culture and the alignment um, with the organization and where it's going. And sometimes not everybody's cut out for that, right? And that that can be okay. I always say you can be a great leader in one place and not so great in another. It's all about the environment. But I think in a company like Milani, we're relatively small. I always say everybody matters. And you your ideas and the impact that you have on the outcomes is very noticeable. And first of all, I you know, we're not we don't have armies and armies of people. So it would be quite noticeable if somebody was quiet quitting. I think their peers would probably notice it first. But I think it's all about engagement and trying to motivate people towards common goals. And I always say, hey, the competency is what gets you at the seat at the table and gets you into the company, your competencies, your unique skills. But then it takes every single one of us to to get things going. And we all have the same dedication to our consumer 
And I find that if we saw somebody that was quiet quitting, it would be really noticeable and probably like, I hope what I'm saying is if somebody's quiet quitting that they opt out sooner versus later, because it has a negative impact on everyone else. Yeah. I think about the small team environment because that's the one I'm in. And when somebody's not contributing fully, mm-hmm. it's their friends in the organization that are in pain, right? Because mm-hmm. they're trying to pick mm-hmm. up the slack. Mm-hmm. And that's really awful to see, right? Because they... Yeah. And sometimes you don't know, though, Jody. like um, sometimes people could be having a personal opportunity mm-hmm. or a problem. And sometimes it's just saying, hey, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And, you know... And finding out what, what's happening if they choose to share that with you. It could be outside circumstances, too. And some we all go through those times where we have a period where, ooh, this is just too much right now. Um, so I try, to, I try to listen for that. I, I ask my leaders to find out, like, who do they think is a flight risk and why? And what can we do about it? That's a really good point. Like, it's, um, it's like when we're driving and you have a frustrated driver on the on the road with you, we don't know what their day was like, right? Mm-hmm. We don't mm-hmm. know where their headspace mm-hmm. is. Yeah, and assume good intent, mm-hmm. right? I always say assume good intent. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about um, the top of, of success and um, defining success. When I was younger in my career, I just assumed that success equaled money. <laughs> it was just very one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have it then. Um, and I thought that that was like the most important thing. So let's go way, way, way back, like Revlon days, um, early in your career. Mm-hmm. If someone mm-hmm. asked you like, what does success mean in this industry? What would you have said back then? Well, I think it's very personal. I always say whether it's success or living your life with integrity, you have to do what's important to you. To me, mine was about surrounding myself with teams, team that I thought we could transform things, this this aspect of, as I mentioned to you, a bit of, a, I'm a, one of those leaders that likes a good turnaround story. And um, they're not always easy and they come with a lot of hardship, but I enjoy that and I thrive. I thrive when I see other people's success and I like when a team is really aligned. I love a good debate. I love, you know, love that. But to me, success is about those milestones. To me, it's about gratification. Like I'll look back hopefully some number of years from now and say, what will the legacy of my team and my leaders be on this business? And I hope we all have a common definition of what that is. And it's to make the company as great as it is able to be through the, our efforts. And importantly, that we all had this fun together. Like I, I believe in these building these relationships and and helping foster growth through one another. And I look, I hope to be, you know, vacation with these people 10 years from now. Like it's almost like a club you went through. You have to separate. Yes. Is being a leader, a super hard job. And I think it's in one sense entwined in your spine, but at the same time you have to separate the who from the what and be a whole person. And to me, it's the success is living your life with integrity, whatever that might be. And in my case, it was, you know, about thriving partnerships, relationships. Um, and I love business, right? I love business and I love companies and and driving, driving results, I guess is the best way to say it. Okay, so how do you separate the who from the what, right? Because you are, hmm. you are you, 
like uh-huh. you are your <laughs> yeah but I'm not Mary the CEO in all my hats right first of all I, I'm not I don't like to be the center of attention in fact I don't need to have the loudest voice and I I have said this to my team many times I am by far not the smartest person in the room that is not that's not me my job is to get the best out of everybody and so I think there's this CEO mentality that enters but I don't think of it that way I try to approach people one-on-one and just I'm Mary by the way <laughs> I'm not Mary the CEO. Yes, that happens to be my job, but I like to um, think about people and inspiring people and getting to know people as humans and um, not as the CEO. The CEO is just happens to be what my title is. Did someone teach this to you early in your career? Because this point of view, like I'm, I would imagine wasn't really popular when you were watching CEOs mm-hmm. run their businesses when you were earlier on in your career? Mm-hmm. I, I would say it has evolved over time, right? And I, I've had, I think I mentioned to you, I've had some great coaches and mentors. Um, and the, one, one coach in particular, I think, has talked about sometimes you can have all this accumulated stress from all the things that are going on, and it could really like pounce you down. And so you have to release that tension sometimes. And whether it's through breath or meditating or quite honestly, just taking a walk with my dog some days, you just got to let it blow off. I always call it letting the air out of the balloon before the balloon pops um, is, is just and then separating that and then finding things that you enjoy to do outside of work because we are these whole people. Not everybody really wants to hear me talk about Milani 24-7, nor my family, nor my friends, you know, just having those outside interests. And quite honestly, I think we all need a break sometime from our heavy job duties. Um, so, Mary, since I saw you last, I'm going to report that we are going to get a dog as a family. You are? What kind? We want to get a, Ber- a Bernadoodle. Oh, those are beautiful. So, I love dogs. You know that. I know. So, like... Um, we were talking about this a lot when I saw you and um, we just, you know, flipped the switch and decided to focus on the amazing things and not the hard things. And my kids are very happy. So we're going to look to get the dog oh, over good. the summer. It seems like a better Oh, I want to see pictures yeah. and get a good crate and take it to puppy training. <laughs> yes, lots of training. <laughs> so um, this is so fun. And I want to thank you for your wisdom and being so honest with our fans today. Thank you, Jody. It's great to talk to you and everyone else. So this concludes our third episode of the year in our C-suite quarter. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, make sure you're following us on Instagram to stay up to date on upcoming lives and all the fun we have along the way. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.